previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. He offended just about everybody, it appears. You can't have that power if you don't respect my humanity. I love it because they hate us. Just roll up your sleeves, get you a cold one, and sit in front of the television and support those Houston Astros. They have a dynamic quarterback in Andrew Body. The earth hadn't flattened out since then. If you don't want to do any of that or follow any of those rules and say whatever you want to, then don't take the check. Charlie Neal told me, he said, Eddie, the mic is always hot. I'm officially don't like the Cowboys. You can't root against Dusty Baker. If you're going to talk ish about other teams, just state facts. Can you believe he would do this to his hometown team? This is not even game seven. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us yet again for a fun edition, a World Series edition. And it's not going to be like our usual show, so no Lamont Award. But if you definitely want to go back and listen to those, I'll tell you about that in just a second. No Lamont Award, uh, no headlines. We're going to get right into it because we have a couple of great conversations one with Butch Alsander of ESPN, Swag Football, a longtime Houston sports uh, broadcaster, uh, news director, KHOU, uh, all-around sports guy. We have his uh, take on the World Series and more. And, of course, our guy from the special teams unit, Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker. And he has some news to share that will make all of us who've listened and invested into the podcast, it'll make all of us a little bit more proud of him and excited to have him on each and every time we can. So with that, I want to remind you guys, if you want to go back and listen to past episodes, you certainly can. Go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's wadeswordproductions.com. In addition to that, we want this to be interactive. So I provided a sports line, 24 hours a day, the sports line, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. You can call, leave a question, a comment, a request, a take. Whatever you want to do, you can leave that message and you might end up on the very next podcast. So those are ways to be interactive. Also, on social media, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook is always fun. A lot of information, a lot of interaction. Definitely want to check that out. And, of course, on Twitter at Wade's Word. So you got all of that? If not, just rewind it. You can get it all again. Take notes. But nonetheless, for those of you who have listened for a while, you know the routine. And we certainly appreciate the interaction and uh, the participation because it's a whole lot of fun when you guys join in. Going to take a brief time out right out of the gate. Come back with our guy, Butch Allsander, to talk about the World Series and some swag football. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. 
So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages six weeks to five years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Welcome back, and as mentioned, this is a special sort of World Series edition as we jump right into a couple of very important conversations. And next time out, we'll have the D-Nice segment. And while our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, he'll be back, and we may have a We the People segment. So again, give us a call at 832-941-6614. But I want to get right into it because Butch Allsand, I've been knowing Butch for many, many years. Of course, he was the former sports director at KHOU. He does SWAC football for ESPN and for uh, AT&T Southwest. So he's uh, doing his thing, and he's had an opportunity to see a lot of swag football over the last couple of years. So we want to get into that. So here's our conversation with Butch. Good afternoon, Butch. So glad that you are joining us again on the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. And it's such an exciting time here in the city of Houston. The World Series is going on. And, of course, the series is tied at one. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first couple of games of this World Series? Man, it, it feels like Houston is definitely a baseball city now, doesn't it? It really does. Yes, yes, like the old days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you look at game one and I got to tell you the truth. I, I didn't really even um, get disappointed after where they played. They didn't hit the ball. Fromber looked like he was a little nervous. You know, he had the great outing against Boston. That was huge. And he came back in game one of the World Series and he just didn't look like he was the same focus, the same concentration. But, I, you know, going back and thinking about it, the Astros loaded the bases like in the bottom of the first, right after they had give, Fromberg given up the runs, had they gotten anything home at that point, you know, he probably would have settled down and got into the ball game. But, you know, when, when, you're, when you're down, I think he was down 2 nothing early, you know, you feel like that margin for mistake is so small. You put that kind of pressure on yourself. You start trying to target your pitches in there. And, uh, you know, he just didn't have it. And the Astros just didn't hit the ball. And, and that was game one. You know, credit the Braves for that. They came out very aggressive you know they came out stealing bases and they just were very aggressive and the astros though they just kind of shrugged it off came out in game two and thanks to uh jose Orquiti, uh you know they, they had a great game in game two scored some runs they got some great pitching from Orquiti. uh he had that fastball and that that change up combination i mean he had the braves off balance all night so it, it was just a fun game to watch and it looked like the the type of game that we've come accustomed to seeing from the Astros. And also in game one, a big injury happened with the the broken leg uh, of Charlie Morton. That sort of evens things out. Of course, uh, we were disappointed here in Houston that Lance McCullers was not included in the World Series uh, on the roster for the World Series because of that arm tightness. We won't see him again. And that's a, a big, big blow. But now with Charlie Morton being out, what does that mean for the series going forward? Well, that's huge. 
Uh, that's huge. He, he's a big part of what, what they do. And, you know, I got to tell you, when he faced the Astros, more times than not, he has success against them. He's had success against them in the past. And it's going to hurt their team from a standpoint of, you know, it's the World Series. So, you you know, you shake it off as fast as you can and you move on. But he had been, you know, acting like their ace. I mean, that's been his job. And, and, and like I said, he always pitches well against the Astros. He has a lot of friends in that Houston dugout. So it's something he looks forward to. I, I kind of feel bad for him because, you know, you work all season for this point to have a chance to win the World Series. And here you are in the World Series. And he started out pitching well enough. And then, you know, just a fluke thing that happened. But it's definitely, like you mentioned, the Astros being without McCullers, you know, they expected to have him. So it's just kind of like it almost evens things out a little bit from that standpoint when you talk about the starting pitcher. Well, you uh, look at the pitching staff for the Astros. It's been a story of redemption. It's like been uh, a bad start and then a redeeming start. I mean, really, if you look at Urquidy last night, that was sort of redemption for an earlier performance. Of course, he's been rusty, hadn't pitched a whole lot because of his injury situation, but he redeemed himself. We saw Framber Valdez do it against Boston. And Luis Garcia, the same thing. He redeemed himself with a great performance in the ALCS. Do you think that Framber can do it again? Can you, you think he can sort of had a kind of performance that he did after a, a horrible start in the ALCS? Oh, I think he can. I, I really think he can. And, and the reason why I, I, I say that is because if you think back to that Boston game when he pitched eight innings and he, he, he you know, he'd go in the dugout. And if you notice, think back to none of the players came around him. He'd go back in the dugout and they'd leave him alone. And he was sitting down there by himself. And it's like he had this Zen thing going on, man. It's like he was like really focusing, doing some type of breathing stuff. And he'll get back into it. You know, no matter what these guys say, and some of these guys will try to say, well, it's just another game. It's just this. It's just that. It's the World Series. This is what they play for. And to be honest with you, in the Astros situation, you know, not only did they want to get there, but they really want to win, win it and kind of just try to put some of this, uh, you know, some of the 2017 stuff behind them, just some of that nonsense behind them to come out and do it again. And it just, you know, that you were talking about redemption earlier. That would be another case of redemption because we're not going to get into all that. But it's just I, in some ways, I feel like, you know, the Astros have they did the crime. They did the time. You know, they paid their price for it. And. There's a lot of other stuff like that going on in the majors, man. It's just, it was just, it was very unfortunate to single them out and not let some of these other teams off scot free. And so everybody's put their anger and their venom on the Astros. And so if they come back and win it this year, man, you know, they can kind of, you know, tell everybody exactly what they feel about it because for them to do, uh, with what they have done as far as making it to the playoffs and making it to the World Series. It's just incredible. Well, see, incredible. this this is my thing about that, and, and I, I agree with what I, all the things that you said. MLB left the Astros out there hanging out to dry. They didn't want to bring that heat and really tarnish the game if you start talking about teams in major markets like New York and Boston, real baseball cities, and Los Angeles to some degree. And we know uh, evidence has come out that you know the Astros weren't the only ones. But this is what I don't understand about the national media and really a lot of folks in the media period. They just went to the world series in 2019. So again, you know, it, this is not like they redeemed themselves by get, themselves by getting back to the world series in 2019. If you ask me, why do you think people are forgetting that? It's, it's, just, it's not going to go away, man. People just want to hate. I mean, that's what it is. Like I said, Astros opened the door for that by doing what they did. 
And like I said, I, I'm going to never make excuses for them because they were too good a team to do that kind of stuff. They didn't need to do it. But the reality of it is what you just said was 100 percent correct. Major League Baseball had some things on Boston. They had some stuff on the Yankees and they chose. Let's just throw the Astros out there. Let them take all the heat. And then we're just going to let this go away. We're just going to let this go away. Well, you know, everybody, there's, you know how fans are. I mean, people are just always going to. Now, I, I think it's less than some if you see them. Uh, there are a couple of people who aren't here anymore. And that always makes it a little better because it's, you separate yourself from that. But it's, it's going to be there and it's going to be there for a while. But I agree with you. You know, they, they went back to the World Series already, went to a game seven in that World Series. So they could have gone either way. And here they are back in the World Series again. I mean, I look at that, Devin. This is just a really special time in Houston. We may never see that again. You know, we see a team in the World Series three times like that in five years. I mean, that's just, it may not happen again. It, I mean, it, people just would die to have a team in their city that's uh, that successful on the, on the diamond. And so it's a special time for them. And I think Houston fans understand that, that Astros did wrong. It's something they shouldn't have been involved with. But there is a but here because they've paid the price. You know, they've right. done the time. They, they t they've taken on the heat for everybody in MLB because everybody in MLB is always trying to cheat. They're always, <laughs> right, right. We know that. Right. They, and, they are. You know, they say you're not trying. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, right. I mean... It's just like it's un it's really an unfortunate thing. It really is. And, and, but and, and I think that that some of the sort of the the anger of the fans was delayed because no fans were in the stands last season because of COVID. So they had to wait a whole year to really get all their booing and the and the fake trash cans and all of that stuff out of their system. So it it built up even more because fans weren't in the stands uh, immediately after all of this stuff was uncovered. Yeah, you know, it, it did. They came back with some of that stuff, but it may have made it a little easier on the Astros because I, I really think it would have been way over the top if there would have been fans in the stands. But there's another byproduct of this, and I don't know if you've noticed that, but, you know, because of the conflict with the Dodgers, the Dodgers are one of, one of the more vocal teams, uh, you know, just yakking about the Astros doing this, the Astros doing that. The Astros won games in L.A., man. I mean, right. you know, in including game seven. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what what the heck, you know, but I, I noticed that there's all these fights in the stands, you know, with, with some of this. It's just kind of getting over the top with some of this stuff. And a lot of it was in, in L.A. that I've noticed. But like they were one of the more vocal teams about this. But a lot of the teams just kind of, you know, shut up and look the other way because they all got something going on. You know, that's just, you know, they all got something. Right, right. Uh, but, but the Dodgers were extremely vocal about that. And, you know, and I was surprised. But I know a couple, the time when they came here, there was a couple of incidents in the stands. And it's just, you know, you hate to see things get nasty like that. Well, you baseball and and brew, <laughs> you know, you have enough uh, cervezas. You know, things can get out of hand in the stands uh, no matter who's playing. But, you know, you're a veteran Houston sports guy. And I said this on the last podcast this is the most successful run by any pro team of the three major sports. 
Of course, you had the, the Comets win their fir, four, first four in a row in the WNBA. But of the big three, baseball, football, and basketball, we've never in Houston seen a run like this. It's the most significant run in Houston history. Of course, the Rockets won back-to-back, -back, but they didn't go five years in a row to the Western Conference Finals. So this, yeah, is, this has been wonderful. Yeah, it has been wonderful. And, you know, the, the Rockets were technically close because they've been there three times. You know, the Ralph Sampson team uh, also went. And then, you know, the two years in a row with Hakeem when well, they and, actually and, yeah. won it. And they went 81, of course, with, yes. with Moses Malone. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying consecutively five straight years. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's been a great, great run. Even Five Slammer Jammer went to the war, to the uh, Final Four three years in a row, but nothing like you know just this level of excellency over a five year period. It's been you know a really, really wonderful thing. I want to ask you about these the, what looks like are going to be bullpen games coming up in this series, where they're gonna just try to get through these games. Uh, with their bullpen, is it going to be Zach Granke that starts and they're going to try to get a couple innings out of him probably in game four? Or what are we looking at here? What do you see? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure where they're going to put Granke right now because he, he was doing everything he could, you know, to get back and be available and, and try to pitch effectively. And the, the one outing he had, you know, he gave up the long ball. And, and so, you know, there was nobody more disappointed than him. But I think both the Braves and the Astros, even though the Braves were pretty smart, uh, the other night in game two, you notice that it kept the three big lefties, you know, out of the game. So they, they saved those guys. And I, I thought that was very smart uh, on their part because it, it game two, it's only, it's a seven game series. You know, you won the first one, you'd love to win the second one, but if they would have wasted all their pitching and still lost that game in game two, then you would have had no, you, you would have been in real serious trouble going back to Atlanta. And so we, we, we go back to the Boston series and Alex Cora was in the same kind of a similar situation where they were up going back to Boston and he went for it. You know, remember that he, he went for it yeah. in game, whatever, game three or I think it was game three. I'm getting mixed up. Maybe it was game four. But he went for it and the Astros won the game and they got to his main guy out of the bullpen. And, you know, that just changed the whole trajectory of that that series. So I think the Braves were very smart, like, you know, to sit on some of their stuff. But you're going to see guys coming in and trying to pick up an inning here and an inning there. And they're going to pick out some, you know, a couple of guys uh, and try to see if they can squeeze two out of them and just make it work. Yeah, for nine I, I think yeah. Hopefully, you get a couple out of Granky or the Rizzi can come back in and get a you know another successful run like he did the other night where he pitched several successful innings. I want to ask you about you have Snedker and Dusty Baker's managers. Neither of these guys are the new analytics type managers. What do you think about a couple of old school managers? Uh, who were in the World Series playing for it all when everybody's moving towards this model of, you know, let the GM <laughs> run the team. The manager just punches the buttons, uh, but it's the GM and his analytics that are running the team. What are your thoughts about the, the old school matchup? You know, I did a radio interview this morning, and, and they asked me something very similar to that, and I'm going to give you the same answer. And it's just like uh, in Dusty Baker's case, it's just being – 72 73 years old whatever he is is like you know i'm just gonna do what the hell i want what i feel like he's got so much experience in this game he's gonna go on a feeling more than he's gonna go on the numbers because he's been there he's done that he's seen everything and he also at his age you know what difference does it make you go for it you do what you feel like's gonna work how many times during the regular season did you say because i know i did my god why don't he cut railing 
you know? Right. Like, oh, look, yeah. Look, look, look how Stanek's struggling here. And those guys have come back to play significant roles in this run. And that's Dusty doing what you just said. That's him going by what he thinks is the right thing to do, not necessarily following the numbers, but following his experience and his feeling in a particular situation. Yeah, and, and I think that's the incredible. What do you think about Dusty Baker not having a contract at this point? I know we, you know, we, we're in the throes of the World Series, but does that hang around in the background? The fact that he's not uh, locked in for next season? No, I, I don't think it does because you know, especially when you look at the run they made, you know, like to to get to the World Series, like that. Keep in mind. When Dusty came in, that was a, a really unusual situation. I mean, that, you know, you're, you're coming in, you're re- replacing A.J. Hinch, who was actually did a tremendous job, who was loved by his players, was by every account was a, a player manager. And it was very difficult for Dusty. And I heard one of his interviews recently where he said, you know, I came in here. It took a while. It, it took a while for the guys to trust me for, you know, for us to start building this relationship. It didn't like he just walked in and it, it just didn't happen. But, you know, that you could not have picked a better guy for this situation. You know, a guy that's like Dusty, that's so likable, so laid back, who's done so much in his career as a player, as a manager, who, you know, like I said, he's a guy been there, done that. You cannot, as a player, not respect that. Because he's been in every situation, every possible situation that you could be into. So I think if it was a, if more of a normal situation, it would be a bigger of a problem. But I think in something like this, uh, they probably just said, hey, Dusty, can you come in here? We, we, you know, we, we need somebody right now. You know what's going on. You know what the situation is. Can you come in here and hang with us for a couple of years? And then we'll see what you want to do. We'll see what we want to do. And we'll talk about it from there. And when you win a World Series... I would imagine if he wants to be back, he'll be back. Well, let's hope so. And and really either way, because, again, to make this run without Lance McCullers, think about it. He didn't play in the ALCS or the World Series. So even if they go deep into this series and and it looks like we're headed that way, uh, you know, just to do that without your ace and Justin Verland, who's been out all year, and uh, your ace uh, uh, pro Tim in uh, McCullers, and you still get there and make a run at a World Series title. I think that in itself uh, says a lot about his managing job. Well, you, you sent another ace to the Yankees. He got out of here, and they did a great job. Cole did while yeah. he was here. I mean, and I, he, I thought he was just as good as Verlander. Uh, this season, uh, Bregman missed a lot of time. Yeah, You know, I mean, Bregman missed a lot of time. He had some injuries, so... I think he's still trying to not quite up to the breakman we're, we're used to seeing uh, when you see him at the plate, but he's starting to contribute a little bit now. But the big deal, I mean, if you have to pick an MVP for the Astros, it would be tough, but I mean, you'd have to look at Correa. I mean, how could you not look at Correa? He wanted to sign the big contract, wanted to do that, get that done before the season happened. They decided they weren't going to do it. He comes out here and not only does he play the whole season for the first time, man, he plays it at an all-star level. I mean, and, and uh, you know, you can't. I mean, that guy has been so clutch, and and he and Altuve in the play in the playoffs, 
they're just on a different level. Yeah, I mean, and, and not to mention a different level. Not to mention Jordan Alvarez and what he's done, which has been incredible. And again, think about him being the future of this franchise. Uh, you know, I mean, he will be at some point. He'll be the guy. When you think about uh, the AL batting champ and Guriel, and then Brantley number two. Then you have Bregman, a former MVP contender, and then a former MVP in Altuve and and Correa. And then you think about Alvarez moving forward. That guy's been special as well well it's just you know and you were talking before about what a special time it was and how they've done it you know it's not just the the big time talent but it's what they've done in the farm system too i mean look at the impact that uh a jose siri had on game two yes i mean he comes in to go back to that second inning he beats out the infield hit at first base and then on i think it was maldonado the base hit for maldonado he comes around the Braves get sloppy with the ball, jumps up, slide in home. I mean, the guy, I mean, they, but they keep finding them. You right. know, you got Jake Myers. Then you got McCormick. You know, these guys go on and on. But I agree with you. The mainstay guys, Yuli wins the batting championship this year. <laughs> right. that, Yuli couldn't hit anything last year when they got uh, in the playoffs, but he wins the batting championship this year. But I, I think Jordan and Tucker are two really special talents. And I, I just hope the Astros find some way to keep Correa here. Yes. Let he and um, uh, El Tuve do the same thing Biggio and Bagwell did. Let them stay here. Let them stay. I mean, because you look for the best two people you can have up the middle, and you can't find two people better than those two guys up the middle. So I, I'm hoping you know that they find some way to make a deal to keep Correa here, that, that he, he and El Tuve can finish their careers together in an Astros uniform because that would be only fitting. And then you're going to have a situation, like you said, with Jordan. I mean, that guy is something totally special. I mean, he is just, it, it's amazing that the Dodgers would let a guy like that go. And um, it just, and it, I know it's because they're in the national league and they were basically like, okay, he can't play first base. We think he's so-so in the outfield, you know, he's got potential, but where are we going to play him? That kind of thing. So what are they going to do with him? Yeah, what are you going to do with him in Atlanta? I know he got some work at first base in practice here in the last couple days, so it looks like he'll be playing some first. Now you got Guriel that'll be probably having a seat. Uh, How do you manage that situation? Well, that's just it. They're going to have to find a spot to do it. I mean, you you know, if you put him in left field, then maybe you go Michael Brantley in right, and you put Tucker in center. I mean, I'm sure Tucker's toyed, toyed around with that at some time. I'm sure Dusty's throwing all these possibilities around because, man, you just you they, you know they got three games in Atlanta. And you can't have that bat out of the lineup for that long. Yeah, I mean, you have to find some kind of way to get it in there. I mean, from an offensive standpoint, and this is a great, great offensive team. And with a great, great offensive team outside of Altuve, you know, Jordan is the guy. I mean, he provides the power. He provides the hits. You know, he hits for average, hits for power. And since he got both of those knees uh, taken care of, you saw he got a triple the other night. So, I mean, that's just the bat, you know, and that's one of the things Dusty's going to have to figure out. We'll see whether or not he... What he looks, whether he looks at the numbers or whether he goes has another one of those dusty feelings and see how things go. But they got to get that guy in the lineup. But again, who are you going to take out? It it really becomes a problem yeah. because we said you Yuli's the batting champion. You put him in left field. Apparently, that's where he's the most comfortable playing. But what, you, Michael Brantley? You cannot take Michael Brantley out of the lineup. 
Right. I love, love my. By the way, the Astros have so many great hitters. So many, but I just love watching Michael Brantley. Yeah. I mean, that guy has professional hitter written all over him. Never gets too high. Never gets too low. He just gets up there and delivers all the time. I mean, he's so. They got a a, a really good problem to have because they got to find a way to get all of that talent in the lineup in a National League park. Yeah, and give me your, your prediction on uh, how this will end. We're at 1-1 now. What's your prediction on this series? Well, I, I you know, it's I think it'll go seven. I mean, I you know, that's the way I was thinking, especially now, like you said, with Martin gone, gone with McCullers not being able to pitch, it looks like, in, in, the, in the entire World Series. At some point, it's going to come out to whichever bullpen does the best. And Astros bullpen stepped up in that Boston series. They really stepped up in the last two games of that series. I mean, they did an impressive job. And the question is going to be, can they do it again? But I, my, my, I'm going to stick with my first thought. My initial thought was that it would, it would go seven. And so I'm going to kind of stick with that. I'm going to go Astros in six, I think. I, I think that, that, of course, Atlanta get one. But I just think when it comes to those bullpen games, I think uh, we have too much. Or they, the Astros. I, you know, I, and I have a rule. If you win a championship in the city of Houston, it's a we thing. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm a member of the media. So let, I want to shift gears because I do want to ask you, over the last several years, you've been doing a lot of swag football. You've been doing a ton of it uh, for ESPN and AT&T. Talk a little a bit about what you've seen in the SWAC this year uh, as uh, you've called a number of games. Yeah, and I, uh, you know what, Devin, I, I, it started to me, it started in the spring, you know, because COVID was a bad thing. They couldn't play in 2020, so they decided to go in the spring after they got the protocols worked out and all of that stuff. But the thing about that, going in the spring allowed them to get some of the exposure that the SWAC would never have gotten otherwise. And I think that has been such a godsend for them because there's so many talented players, so many talented teams that just weren't getting the exposure out there. And so I think as you and I were talking earlier this year, you know, it's kind of like a, um, a record television contract with the ESPN responsible for, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like 42 games or something like that. I think we started at 37 and it ended up being 42 by the time they were done. And, you know, that you can attribute that to a lot of things. One, you can attribute that to the talent and the, and the product on the field. Another thing you can attribute to is, is Deion Sanders coming to Jackson State and bringing a lot of the attention that he brought to the team. And the other thing is just the job that uh, Dr. Charles McClellan is doing as commissioner of the SWAC. You know, you know he was at TSU, but you and I both know uh, Dr. McClellan well and the job he did at Texas Southern. And, and he had a vision at Texas Southern how to start getting these teams more exposure and to get them out there because it, it, it helps. It's, it, it, it's great for the school. It's great for the student athlete and it gives you that exposure. And it just gives you another chance, another opportunity to maybe if you're good enough to play on the next level, if you're getting that extra exposure. So I, I've seen it grow so much. I mean, the, the swag has always had so much history, you know, so much history and so much tradition. It, it, it goes back like this weekend, for example, I'm doing Florida A&M. Grambling at Florida A&M, it's the Rattlers' uh, homecoming. Just think about those two teams, you know, and, and the history they have. I mean, the first time they played was like 1955. <laughs> so it, it, it goes all the way back, and it's just it's just so much. And, and what I really like about the whole thing is, too, this part of this ESPN package, they want to find some way, each, each game, I know every game that I've done, they've found some way to spotlight the bands. 
because that is such a part of the HBCU ex experience. You know, it's to watch the bands and to check out the halftime. So that that's a big part of it now. But I, I just see it keep growing bigger and bigger. Like I said, the, the SWAC has always had the history. They've always had the talent. They've always had everything. And then now uh, it's getting exposed to a different audience, really. Well, with Texas Southern starting to win a little bit uh, and the expansion of the SWAC, it seems to me like I just feel an energy that I haven't felt around the SWAC before. I mean, it's just uh, it seems everywhere you go. And, and I wonder, do you have the same sort of uh, feeling? Do you sort of get a vibe that, man, all of a sudden, man, there are a lot more eyeballs on the screen, a lot more ears listening to the broadcast. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? No doubt. I mean, no, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I, we wanted, it wasn't this week, I guess it was last week, couple of weeks maybe uh at the coaches press conference on monday someone asked Deion sanders about well what about the you know how they, do we have to have our you know espn putting the games on thursday night and, and saturday and all this stuff and that you know would, wouldn't you think it'd be better to move to you know this and that during the week and Dion had a perfect answer he said man look you know i'm not worried about any of that as long as they put us on it's great what i'm worried about is getting eyeballs into the seats in the stadium into our stadiums and then they had their homecoming and it was just like a record crowd. I mean, a record crowd on, on, on hand for their homecoming game. I mean, his mark on the swag will not just be football related. You know, there were a couple of weeks ago, Alcorn State was having some issues. With, I don't think they had a full-time trainer. Right. And they missed the practices. Having, yeah. Yeah. And so man, he was the first guy to step up and say, you know, let us know whatever we can do on our end to help you guys get that straight because you know we we we're, we're trying to make every situation a, a first class situation and so i just think he he's he's going to bring so much more than just the football aspect of it you know to the swag we're already seeing that on the field jackson state is off to a pretty good start i mean they're like six and one right now so they're 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 off to a really great start but there's so many things that's happening off the field. You know, you saw Michael uh, Strahan, you know, deliver the helmets at Texas Southern, donated some uh, brand new helmets for them to use. I, I thought that was tremendous. Michael Strahan also has a deal with Men's Warehouse. They outfitted, they, they went and had the whole Jackson State team measured for these custom jackets, you know, so they can all wear these jackets to get off the bus. And look, that's one of the things Coach Prime wants to be, wants his team to be sh sharp and recognizable and, you know, and carry yourself a certain way. So, I mean, they're just, you're exactly right. There's so many good things going on right now. It's, it's, it's just its just really a blessing, and I, I think it's only going to get better. Well, I want to get your expert opinion on what's going on on the field. You look at Prairie View, and I know you call Prairie View's opener against Texas Southern. This team continues to roll in the conference, and they're on a, con a collision course with Alcorn State for the winner of the Western Division. I mean, it's a lot more football left to be played, but uh, let's talk a little bit about that the SWAC's Western Division because, man, there's some great games on the horizon. You know, I, I saw – I did Prairie View last week. So it, it was interesting. And, and uh, they beat Southern, I think it was 48-21, 47-20. I forget what it was. But it was last week. And, and here's the thing. Going into that game, uh, we all thought it was going to be a really, really close ball game because we had done the game in the spring, I guess, over there. So Southern, had, uh, Prairie View had gone to Southern. And um, – you know, it was a very close game, and Southern won in the last minute of the ball game. You know, Prairie View had an excellent chance to win. That team that we did last week, that team is for real, man. I mean, that that, that Jawan Pass, the quarterback, the big 6'4", 6'5", kid that transferred from Louisville, 
I mean, he 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 is something special. I mean, he's a special special athlete. I mean, he under his you know he's a graduate student, and, and at, at some point in his career, they thought he might be the heir apparent to uh, Lamar Jackson. Right. And um, you know, it didn't work out that way. So whatever, he gets here. But it, it's funny because uh, coach doing the uh, media session back during the summer in Birmingham. It was it was very funny because coach said when they asked him, he he, he wouldn't talk about the team. He said, I got I got a I got some new guys coming in. I have some transfers coming in, but I'm not going to mention anything about him at this point. It was before the season. And I want to see how it's going to work out uh, before I see, And then he's got Lynn Damian Brooks, you know, coming in from uh, Grambling. You know, he's got this guy coming in from Louisville. He's got some receipt. I mean, uh, th- that portal, I love the effect of portal. I know a lot of people don't like it. I, I-, yeah. I love it. I think it's great for the players. You know, you get to move on somewhere else. Coaches can leave in the drop of a hat. You know what I'm saying? They can go. They got these little outs in their contracts. So I, I like seeing a guy like Juwan Pass end up at Prairie View and, and just balling out. I mean, just really doing it. But they look really good. And, you know, that defense that has been always uh, struggling at times and in and, and the past has been underrated. And those guys are legitimate, man. That big Dumas in, in the line is, man, he is something. You got Cheatham in the secondary. They are a team to beat. I mean, now we're going to do – Alcorn next week, so I'm I'm looking forward to doing that game. I think we have I think it's Alcorn versus uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me. It may be Bethune Cookman. I think that's who it is. I think it's Alcorn and Bethune Cookman. So it'll be my first look at Alcorn. But I've seen them on tape, and you know they look really good too. But Prairie View, I think they're exceeding expectations in some way. You know, because I don't think anybody envisioned them being this good. You know, you know they were going to score some points. They always score points under Dooley. Always. They're always going to be good offensively. But the big change this year is, man, they're getting it done defensively. I mean, they're forcing turnovers. They're putting pressure on the quarterback. You know, I, I love the way they're playing. It's funny you should bring them up because I should have, you know, <clears throat> like I said, we that game last week was just like uh, just like shaking my head because I'm like, God, that, that, that is fantastic. Well, and you talk about defenses. Jackson State on the eastern side of things. Dion has his defense playing really well. That front seven, those guys. And I saw that week one against FAMU. Talk a little bit about what you see defensively from the Jackson State Tigers. Yeah, the Tigers come with bad intentions, man. I mean, they just like they'll bring it. I mean, they can. Uh, that's Dion, uh, Coach Prime did not coach last week. We did their game against Bethune Cookman last week. Yes. And he, he had his foot redone again. He had had surgery. He was been getting around on a scooter. They had to do some some refine work in there. So he, he had to go. He missed practice and he missed the game. It was funny because one of the coaches said about you know watching our defense. I really feel sorry for the opposing quarterback. He said I'm, I'm not just saying that. I really feel sorry for the opposing quarterback because we bring so much heat. You know they got that guy James Houston. Who's just, you know, and I think he transferred from Florida, came in, wanted to play linebacker. Uh, they wanted him to play linebacker, but, you know, they, they got there and they started watching him and they basically told me, you know, dude, we, we got, we feel like we got a couple of good linebackers, but we watched you and the way you were rushing the quarterback, we think your deal is going to be a defensive end. And man, you know, he's just been just lights out. I mean, he's been incredible. The job that he's done. And he, he gets around the corner just in, in, and that's the thing about the swag as a whole. You know, we could point out Jordan Lewis at Southern. I mean, there, there are a lot of defensive linemen this year that are really making their mark. But, but there's something about that Jackson State defense 
you know, they play with a lot of attitude. I mean, they do a good job in the secondary. In fact, uh, what Coach Sanders was telling us was he said, you know, every week we determine who's going to start in the defensive secondary by the type of week these guys have. He said, we are so talented in, in, in the secondary that there's no such thing as, okay, you're a, you're a starter and you're going to be a starter for the whole season. There's nothing like that. He said, I, I have – they literally play eight defensive backs. And he said, I don't have any problem putting any of them in the game, and we decide who's going to start by the type of week they have in practice. So that wow. tells you a lot right there. And then, of course, on the, on the other side of the ball, they got Shadur Sanders, at quarterback. Is he progressing? I, I mean, I, I have not seen him, but, I, I mean, I know really to me it seems like the defense has been doing work, but they put up so many points against Alabama and m They decimated them. Uh, it, how has he progressed? Well, here's the thing about him. We've done – Two of their games, maybe three, I think two. I, I got to tell you, man, this this kid was like really, he was really the real deal from the start. And by that, what I'm saying, he, he plays some really heady football. He takes care of the ball. You don't see him make silly turnovers. Up until like a couple of weeks ago, he only had one interception. Uh, he was completing 70% of his passes, which tells you right there that he's not making a lot of bad decisions. And he's just, you know, you know his nickname is Grown as in the grown man, because even though he's a freshman, <laughs> they, they just call him grown. And, uh, and and he's just been doing a sensational job. And, and he's mature beyond his eight years. I mean, I mean that's, that's very obvious. And that, that's why they call him that, because he did something that was very smart, and not a lot of kids can do that. He left high school early. He was actually, when Jackson State was playing in the spring last year, he was there, he was on campus, you know, he was getting to, to see the offense, to learn the offense and work a little bit, getting some practice in, getting some work in. And that that was a big deal. And, and that was a big deal, not only from the standpoint of learning the offense, learning what to do and that kind of thing. He got to be around his teammates and they got to see his work ethic and they got to see what this kid was about. And, and, and they they started to mesh. And, you know, you see a guy like that whose dad is the coach and you see how hard he's working, that stuff can be contagious like that. And, 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 and Coach said that was one of the big things that happened. Him being there in the spring, being there early, even though he couldn't play, learning the offense, but being around the guys and asserting himself as a leader. And you, you may notice that the Jackson State uh, team, they're different from a lot of teams. They don't, they don't have uh, the C logo for captains. You know, they, they have the uh, L patches because Coach Prime calls them leaders. And he said, you, you know, this week you 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 know you have a you'll pick leaders like you do your captains. But here's the thing: like you elect a captain, you're a captain for the entire season. They don't do that. You you know you're a leader, but if you're late for practice or you miss practice or you're late for a, you know a bus trip somewhere or you're late for whatever, you're not taking care of your business. Then we're gonna take the L back. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he's taking a couple of them back. So. And he said it kind of lets the guys start, you know, learning how to um, respect the process, you know, realize that he said we're trying to give them everything possible here for them to succeed. But by doing that, the other side of that is they need to understand that we expect something from them. And what we expect from them is to come out here and every time they're on the field, just give 100 percent. And, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you really can't ask any more than that. That's a pretty doggone good deal. So how do you see the the, the SWAG championship lining up? I mean, again, a lot of football, and, and I know that you call everybody's games, but uh, how do you see – what do you see the matchup as going into the SWAG championship? 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, uh, Prairie View versus Jackson State. It, w- it wouldn't surprise me. You know, um, Alabama A&M won the spring championship, and everybody was predicting them to be back on top. But to be quite honest with you, their defense just wasn't quite as good this year. And every team, like we did, Jack, we did Alabama A&M at Grambling. And that game was a, a game where Quill Glass came out and the first drive took it all the way down the field. And then Grambling, they may have put out the formula on how to play them. Grambling dialed up the pressure and just started putting the heat on him, putting the heat on the uh, offensive line. And Grambling ended up winning that game, you know, kind of running away with it a little bit. But their defense was the thing that set the tone in that. They had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. You know, they made interceptions. I mean, they just – and they were behind in that game. I think it might have been 14 nothing uh, at one point. And then they just they just turned it on. So, you know, whereas everything was going for the uh, Connell Maynard and the Bulldogs, some of their weakness on defense was exposed. Some of the issues with the line may have been exposed some. I mean, they still can – don't get me wrong. They, they can still light it up. I mean, because they came back on Grambling late. Grambling had moved way ahead, and they showed how quickly they could score. And they came back, and they actually had the ball, was down six with like something like a minute and a half to go in the game. And it was unfortunate for them that he had a pass tipped and it was intercepted and the game ended. But it looked like it was going to end up being like a 28-27 game that they would score on their last possession because they, they scored. From the, it's hard to remember, but they, they can score. I forgot how many consecutive points it was. But they're good. But if you look at the, the, the way Prairie View is playing, behind Jawan Pass offensively and the way their defensive team seems to be getting better and better every week. And then I look at the same thing with, with Jackson State. You know, their defense early in the year was just outstanding. And each week their offense was taking another step and another step. And it got to the we did one of their games, and I remember Coach Prime saying going into the game, my offensive line has to do something. We have got to get our offensive line to do. And that line came out, and they had a tremendous amount of rushing yards. You know, the the, the starting running back was out, and whoever the backup came in there, and, and they just played an incredible game. And, and now against Bethune last week, they had a couple of linemen out, and that really kind of hurt the running game a little bit. But you saw what happened, right? The defense steps up, they pick right. up the passing game some, and they still win the ball game. I think Shadour was sacked like five or six times. You know, and they still won the ball game going away. <laughs> so yeah. those, those are two really, really strong teams. And I, I, I would be shocked not to see those two uh, teams playing each other. Want to uh, give you an opportunity to give a shout out to uh, your broadcast partner, Jorge Vargas. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, you guys working together through uh, for two or three, four or five years now. How many years you guys have you have you guys been together? Well, this is this is uh, technically the uh, third year. Uh, two and a half years, so almost three years. And I, I've known Jorge for years. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, back to my days at Channel 11, uh, you know, when, when he was just, you know, working in the studio before he left and became a sports director and then worked his way back. You know, he was a sports director in Beaumont and came back to Houston, which is, you know, not the easiest thing to do. And he was sports director at Channel 39. And Jorge has always done a really good job. You know, he's always been a knowledgeable guy, but he's also, you know, willing to put in a lot of the work. And I, and I, and I think that's important, as you know, because you do so many games. You know, you, you and Chad have been together for a long time. And, and uh, it, it, it helps when you know someone and, and they know you and they know how you're going to react to a certain situation. And the other thing that's about it, because of COVID, and I'd be interested to in see get your thoughts on it, because you're kind of in the same situation. 
you know, had to we we weren't doing as many games on the road as we used to do, and we're still not, you know, because it's just it, that's kind of just the the way things are being done now. That's a little more difficult when you're in the studio like that because there, you know you're flying blind. Some of the, there's only so much you can see, you know, you can't ne- necessarily see the whole field, so that's a little different. And so you got to have somebody that you can play off of, somebody who can understand what you're trying to do, you know what they're trying to do. And, and basically, it works when everybody stays in their lane. And, and I know you know what I'm talking about, because the play-by-play situation is different than the color situation. Yeah, yeah. Totally and so sometimes you have people in there, and, there, and there's crossover here, and there's crossover there, and it just it gets, it's, it gets very confusing. But uh, no, no, we're, we're, we're happy to have him, and, and he's been doing a, a tremendous job so far. You know, he's really doing a really good job. And uh, we had a record number. I think when all th- everything is said and done this year, we're going to have like 15 or 16 games. So, wow. And I think it's only going to keep growing for the swag. I really do. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's, it's an exciting time for all of us. And uh, I know you've been doing your thing for a few years in, in one of the staples uh, of swag football, especially in this region. So it's been uh, fun to have you around. I, although I don't get a chance to see you as much because you guys are up top and we're down bottom. But, yeah, I know you're up there. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I got Texas Southern coming up against uh, Alabama A&M. That, that, I'm looking forward to that. Hey, well, like I said, I certainly appreciate the time and uh, look forward to talking to you again after maybe after the World Series, after the Astros are the champs. Maybe we can get you again. That'd be good. That'd be good. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Devin. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Want to thank Butch for hanging out with us, but let's just keep the train rolling because now we have our guy Eddie Robinson from the special teams unit, former NFL linebacker, called in from Alabama for the Magic City Classic that's coming up this weekend. We'll get his take on that and the World Series and more. Here's our guy, Eddie Robinson. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Our guy Eddie Robinson back aboard the podcast. You know what, man? I have to tell you this. I had a proud moment, man. I was was in Grambling. It's been a couple weeks since I talked to you. And I was in Grambling. Among the literature, the media stuff, they talk about legends of the swag. And they named okay. all of the legends of the swag. And my boy, Eddie Robinson's name, and I'm talking about you. You, Your name was on the list. I'm like, that's my guy. That's our really? guy. Where, where, where was this list at? That's, that's mean, good was, to know. It was just in the, the press packet. The school does a, a game package for the media. And in there, there's just a list of alumni from the swag or whatever, legends of the swag. And your name was in there, man. I was proud, man. I had to. Had to, you know, stick my chest out a little bit. I would guy from the podcast. Especially, well, hey, man, unit. I, I gotta let you know one, one, one thing that that has updated is, you know, Alabama State. Unfortunately, we hadn't had a Hall of Fame. We had a uh, ISTAP, which was a support group of the university. They would honor an athlete, a couple athletes every year, which I was honored by them. But Alabama State has actually going to start their uh, university's hall of fame and, and no complaints i know it's a little late but you, you got to start somewhere and your guy man i i was voted to be on the in the inaugural class so i'll be honored next year as, as one of the inaugural members into the alabama state athletic hall of fame so definitely was a humbling experience and and i felt real good about that and a lot of work from my teammates the 90 and, and the 91 championship team which i was on 
was also voted to be uh, into that inaugural class also. So. Man, we may come down there and do a live podcast from there, man. Hey, that'll be that'll be the deal, you know. Uh, oh, and, and and one more guy, uh, Reggie Brown, good friend of yours yeah. and the former Houston Arler with me, was also uh, voted to be in that inaugural class. You know, downtown Reggie Brown, man, probably had the best hands of any receiver I've ever played with. And That's Kevin good. Gilbride would second that also. He uh, had a nice run here in Houston and, and stayed. He came just like you came to Houston and ended up staying. I mean, I yeah, he did. Yeah. It did. Must must be in the water. Must be in the water. And you is. know, and from an academic standpoint, you know, my man, he's a Reggie. He's a uh, you, for principal. you old Houston Oilers fans. You know, he's a doctor now. He actually got his doctorate and is a school principal. So doing quite well in in committing to the and helping the youth of Houston. So Yeah, man, great 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 guy. Let's talk about the Astros. Okay, one, what one. you got? Well, hey, hey, you know I'm not to cut you off, but all my guys are like Astros go Astros and and the only Astros jersey and and, and I'm not an anti-Astro guy. I sat through all of the 100 lost you know, seasons with my little league team and I would make my kids come with me to the game. They'd be like, coach, they're not going to win again. And, and they wouldn't, but we would still go and support the Astros. I'm true blue Astros, but the only jersey I can see myself wearing, maybe you can make this happen for me before game six and seven is a Dusty Baker jersey. I'm I'm so on Dusty Baker getting this world championship so he can shut it down and retire and, and check that off his resume. Oh no, he's coming back. He said he wants to do it again. If he wins, so we'll, we'll see. But let me let me tell you how real Dusty Baker is. So you know I do KTSU Sports Talk with Ralph Cooper, the Radio yep. Hall of Famer. Well, he, I mean, he's been he's been covering Dusty since the late sixties or whatever when when Dusty came up. And so, yeah, so you're saying they used to shoot dice together? They go they they used to, they used to go to Wolf's Pawn Shop together. Yeah, so yeah, I would imagine so. Something of the like, you know what I mean? So he hand he had our own chatterbox. Make Dusty a CD. Now, again, he's 72 years old. So he made him a CD with some blues and some Southern soul on it. And do you know, during the celebration of the ALCS, he had the championship trophy in one hand and he had that cd in the other hand and at some wow. point he put his uh he put it he, he said hey i gotta put this away so somewhere <laughs> he's he listening to some johnny taylor some bobby bland maybe a little a little, a little bit of little milton so you know he he's uh he's one of our own and so yeah that happened so chatterbox got got an opportunity to give him some music so if he has the clubhouse playing that hey man they're not gonna lose again <laughs> oh yeah, hey, nothing like nothing like some good blues and soul to, to get you going and get you ready for a game, man. Little you know? ZZ Hill, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so what do you think? One one so far. Uh, the biggest development is, and, and prior to this World Series, Lance McCullers again with arm tightness was left off the roster. We're not going to see him, but also in Game One, Charlie Morton. Knocked out, broken leg on a line drive. What do you thought? What are your thoughts after a couple of games of these World Series? Yeah, well, I, I think Charlie Martin is the big thing because Charlie Martin pitching that game one, you for sure would have saw him again in game six or seven because you know that would have been you know seven days rest, but in full rest, maybe even game four with a get with a day off in between games. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he would have got two solid games and, and maybe a game seven, two innings if it was close, you know, that type of thing. So, and Charlie Morton is the guy that has given the Astros the blues ever since he left. So, I mean, for him to not be able to finish, I think that that really may be the deciding factor. And, well, put it like this, it, it kind of stand pats with the, with the Astros not having their guy and not Charlie Morton is out. So, it's kind of everything's even. So, I mean, 1-1, one, one, I, I, I think if you're the Braves, you're like, hey, we got in here, we we ambushed them, we hit a home run on the first pitch, and, and we jumped up on them one, and then we got the split. So, hey, you go back to Atlanta hoping you can get three in a row and not have to come back. Or, or worst case, you know, you get two out of three, then you get two chances to win down in Houston. But I think this will definitely go to six, maybe even a seven-game series. So the teams are evenly matched, and, and as you can see, a you know, big win by one team and another. I mean, it's just going to be that unsung guy. I mean, you know, the, the one thing I do think is, um, you know, going to the National League, you would think that the American League team is going to struggle, you know, because they don't have, you know, you, the, the, you don't have the DH. And then your, your pitcher, who probably doesn't bat at all, hasn't batted at all, has to bat. And so and then the manager, you know, but the has to make those adjustments. But, you know, with Dusty having managed both in the AL and NL, I, I think that gives the Astros a chance to to not be on the, the back foot going into a National League park for three straight games. Yeah, and I talked to, to Butch a little bit earlier about this. Do you think, uh, I know they've tried to give Jordan Alvarez some work at first base. How do you think they're going to, you know, work him in? Because you want uh, Guriel at first, you want him in the lineup, but also you want, you got to have Alvarez. You can't have him not in the lineup for several games. Yeah, well, to me, I think it's an advantage because well, you got to find somewhere for Alvarez to play. Can he play in the outfield? He can. I, mean, I would. Yeah, left. Field, yes. Left field. So to me, if you put you put Alvarez in and left or right, whichever one he feels the most comfortable in, and then you know you move everybody else around, Tucker and everybody else to kind of to me the guy that's not really hitting the ball. Of, of course, you know Maldonado, he's the he's the catcher, so you get what you get out of him offensively. But if you look at that seven, eight, nine of the Astros lineup couple times they started off an inning and and you didn't get a whole lot out of him so McCormick I think is the the center fielder so if you're telling me I'm gonna sit McCormick and then they have to sit a batter and then Alvarez is gonna have to play an outfield you would hope that anything you lose defensively you'll get the advantage of offensively then you can play you know, to match up with the pitcher and, and coming up to bat because really the pitcher is supposed to be an easy out. It's not too many pitchers who are going to hit the ball. Maybe they can bunt and get a runner across, but you really have to manipulate that, you know, from a National League standpoint, I mean, the manager from that, from that point. So I, I think having a guy like Dusty who managed in the National League for a long time, I'm sure he's skilled in, in that aspect of it, and I think that really can, can bode well for the Astros. And so, in other words, I don't think it's a real disadvantage because the bottom of that lineup wasn't hitting anyway, and so you lose one guy and you're placing with a pitcher, so I think it'll bounce out. So what do you think about these bullpen games that are coming up? Because, you know, obviously with Morton being down and you already had a game where they were going to throw several, they were just trying to find a, a you know a combination to get 27 outs. And now it looks like the, the Astros probably have one of those games. They probably have game four that's like that because Garcia will be starting game three. How do you think those games, maybe four, game four and game five will go when you're just really depending on the bullpen almost exclusively? Well, I don't think the bullpen game hurts you as much when you're in the National League Park. And, and you know, I know we have a, 
uh, if you're an Astros fan and you you watch a lot of AL games, and I do too because I'm I'm a Yankees and Astros fan, so that's mostly what I watch. But you know, when you're in that National League park, you know, if you got you know a man on first and third with two outs and your pitcher's coming up, unless he's really dealing offensively, you're gonna pull him and you're gonna put in a a, a pinch hitter, and then you're gonna have to replace that pitcher anyway because you want to have the chance to score those two runs. You know, that's that's sitting on base where your pitcher nine out of ten he's not gonna get a hit, so it's a wasted opportunity. So unless he's an elite pitcher, you're gonna pull him anyway. So to me. Having that bullpen game, you definitely want to have it in Atlanta in the National League Park as opposed to having it in Houston where you have the ability to the DH where you want that one guy, that ace, who can go, you know, five, six, seven innings, maybe even eight, and then you can turn it over to the bullpen at that point. Do you think Framber Valdez can bounce back like he did in the ALCS versus uh, the Braves? Obviously, he didn't have a start that he wanted in game one. And he bounced back after he did the same thing in the ALCS. Can he do it again in this war, in the World Series? Well, I think you know when when you when you have those bounce back games like that, it gives you something to go back on. So he can refer back and say, "Hey, you know what? I didn't have my best stuff game one. Leadoff guy, you know, caught me with a pitch. I had some stuff. They hit me hard. Curveball was hanging, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I only thing I would say with that being at the game." I thought Dusty, when you put him back out there in the third inning, as soon as he got a man on base, you got to pull him because they were hitting him hard the whole night. And so, and he kind of, you know, could have been worse in the first two innings. So I wouldn't have given him the chance to give up that last two run homer. And I would have been like, okay, the kid doesn't have it tonight. Let me save the arms. I could get him back out here pitching again, because I know he has that mental ability to bounce back. You know, some players, they get shell-shocked early. They're done for the, you know, a month or so. So I, I think because he did it once before, he has that that in his memory bank. Like, that's in his DNA. Like, hey, I can I can come back and do well. So a lot of baseball is confidence. You have to go out there thinking, hey, man, whatever happened in game one, that was four days ago, I'm right back out here. But you know, the only thing is, if to me, once he didn't have it, go ahead, pull him, keep his pitch count, count low so you can get him back out there again because it's a seven-game series, so you're going to have more opportunities. Yeah, I kind of think that Kevin out there, you're trying to get as many innings. This is the first game of game one. You don't want to Yeah, but once it's 3-0 with a man on first, it, it you know, with nobody on base, I don't care if you hit a solo home run and you make it four, but once you get a man on base, I'm not giving up two and three run home run shots. That You just can't do that. If they're going to hit home runs, Make them hit it one at a time. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't want to have one swing at a bat and they're putting up a three spot on you. Right. Well, let's shift gears. Oh, well, let me, before I do that, give me your prediction on the remainder of the series. What you, were you saying you think it's going to go seven games? Yeah, I think it's going to be the Astros in seven. Uh, I think that home field, once the Astros get going at home, I think the fans and the players, they just they just gel together. And all it takes is that one big hit. They just couldn't get that in that first game. But you saw in the second game, once they started off early, if they start off early, I mean, they, they're a real dangerous team at home. I, I know the, the statistics say and, and the metrics say that they hit a little bit better on the road or just as good. But it just seems like they just kind of feed off the crowd a little bit more at home. And I can remember, you know, back in 17 where you, you had guys pitching who, who had no reason why they should have been striking out those Dodgers players. But, I mean, they were just pitching at, a, at, at above their level. And I think the Astros, if they could get it to a game six or seven at home, I mean, they'll, they'll play above their heads and make big plays. I think it will be the Astros in six. I think the Braves will be lucky 
to make it back to Houston. I'm, I just, <laughs> okay. you know, and again, I did okay. not feel this, honestly. Okay, Devin Wade, the Braves will be, so you saying the Braves will be lucky to get back to Houston with even the slightest of chance. Uh, okay, look, I This got is you. why. You don't have Morton. Now, coming into this series, us without, well, the Astros without McCullers, I'm like, ah, it's going to be an uphill battle. And, and and I didn't really give him a shot. And and if Framber can't, if he's if he can't rebound from that, then obviously I'll bet to off. But you assume that he's going to come out and have a better performance the next time out. And you're hoping that Luis Garcia has a great start tomorrow. And uh, we'll have to see how, how that goes. But I think the bats are alive, and they'll and they can hit on the road or at home. Uh, and like you said, Dusty being an NL manager. Uh, he, yep. he can maneuver that's a, that. That's a huge difference, too. You know? Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Atlanta will be, be – I mean, because, again, now you, you – you, everybody talks about Cinderella, but how many Cinderellas have lost once they got to the big stage? And you saw last night a lot of miscues, a lot of balls they mishandled, a lot of mistakes, uh, not hitting the cutoff guy, uh, allowing an extra run. I mean, just a lot of stuff that, well, the, you know – Well, the pressure starts to get to you yeah. in the big game. The, the closer you get to elimination, I mean, even even in the first game, the Astros had a chance to sneak back into that game when the shortstop had a had an error, and it could have been a double play ball, and he allowed a run score right. and then got a man on first and third. So, I mean, those mistakes in the World Series and playoff baseball, because if you if you're in the World Series of playoff baseball, you're a pretty good team. You have a good lineup. So you make a mistake like that and don't get out Bregman. And then the next hitter, you got Correa up or Alvarez, then that next hitter can put a 3-1 shot on you because you didn't get that last out. Like, you right. you can't go – I used to tell my kids and I coach literally, hey, we can't go out there and try to get four outs every inning. We only want to get three. So when you got to start getting four outs in the inning because of mistakes and errors, man, it's just it, – they're going to make you pay. And, and I think the Astros have that type of team that if you don't play a clean game and you give them extra at-bats, they'll make you pay. Well, let's shift gears. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL. Uh, a couple things that are going on. Uh, obviously, a big game tonight, Arizona and, and Green Bay. But are, are the Arizona Cardinals, are they the real deal by now? Because, again, I'm probably one of the last ones to say I'm still not on board with those guys. What do you What do you say about that? Hey, man, I, I tell you what, I, I was not a Colin Murray fan. I thought the guy was, was overrated in college. Uh, well, put it like I don't think I didn't think he was overrated in college, but I didn't think his style of play would transfer over to the NFL. I I did not see him having this type of a success, and and I'm looking at Kyler Murray as a potential league MVP type player. I mean, and so with his size and stature and his quickness, I mean, he does so much with the football. He has great decision making skills. And, you know, thanks to the, the Texans, he has D-Hop out there. I mean, so, I mean, this this guy can take it to the next level. When you have a quarterback that can control the pace of play of the game and make big plays and the players are playing with confidence because they believe in that quarterback, I mean, that's a team that can go a long way. So, I mean, I watched him play last year, saw him play against the Saints. And so I've, I've seen him the last couple of years. And he's getting better, and the defense is getting better. So, I mean, I, I feel like they're a team that can make a serious run in the NFC. So, I'm I'm buying. I I, I like it. I like Kyler Murray, and I like what the Cardinals are doing. What about Cincinnati? Big win on the road at Baltimore. If it started today, they would be uh, the division winner. What he What do you yeah. say about Cincinnati doing what they're doing? 
I mean, if if you look at Joe Burrows and the things that he did at LSU, I mean, he had a great group of wide receivers, but the guy was so good at staying in the pocket and being so accurate with the football. I mean, and he consistently did it over the, over the whole year. I'm a big guy. If I was an NFL manager, general manager, I would never pick a quarterback in the first round just because I think it's, it's not based on talent. It's based on intangibles, and it's impossible to measure those intangibles. But every once in a while, you get a John Elway that come along, you get a Peyton Manning, and you get a Joe Burrows where you say, if there's ever a guy that I can't miss on, it's this guy. He may not be a Hall of Famer, but he's going to be a good, consistent 10-year player, and he'll make a Pro Bowl or two. With Joe Burrows, to me, he was that guy in college for me watching him like, man, this guy is going to get it done in the NFL. So, you know, last year he was off to that typical rookie season, show flashes, and the injury cut it short. But now, I mean, with him hooking up with Chase and, and the other guys that they have, I mean, T. Higgins and those guys, I mean, I, I just think that this guy has the sky's the limit. And and if and if you're smart, if you're the Bengals, you do like Sean Payton. Every year you draft the offensive lineman in the top three rounds. There is, it's, it's, uh, it has to be paramount that you protect this guy because if you give him time to throw the football and have a good offensive line, he will carry your offense and your team for the next 10 years. So the Bengals finally have gotten it right, and I think they're going to be some perennial contenders with Joe Burrow at the helm. Yeah, I think they're a year away. I think that they'll have one of these stretches like the Broncos or like Carolina where, you know, you start off great, but then reality sets in, and, and then all of a sudden you yeah, are I, who well, we thought you, know, you were the, for this year. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a step-by-step process. Remember when the Buffalo Bills came down to the Texans with, with Josh Allen, and, and he just played a horrible playoff game? You could right. tell the kid was nervous. He was trying to do way too much. Then the next year, they made it to, I think, like the AFC Championship game. And now this year, they're ready to make that next step to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, Burroughs, he has to go through that process. You can't skip steps. You know, kids always want to skip the, skip the line. They want to go right to the end. There ain't too many quarterbacks who skip the line. You go through that rookie season, then it's like, okay, I'm leading my team to the playoffs, and, and I throw two interceptions. Then I come back and I go a little further, and then, bam, I click, I'm in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, Burroughs is – I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl contender right now, but they're definitely trending in that direction. Okay, let's talk about a team that everybody's going to have to deal with in the AFC, it looks like, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Man, yeah. how about this? Oh, Three-game win streak, and then you have some some huge wins. You beat the Bills in Kansas City, and Derrick Henry just, even though his numbers weren't yeah. ginormous Sunday, he is just, I mean, they, they had to, they were so locked in on him that everything else worked off the play action. Uh, how good is Tennessee? Because, again, they have a, a tough division game this week versus the Colts. What do you think about Tennessee? Nah, I don't I don't think the Colts will be a problem because they, they still won't have an answer for Henry. And like you said, their quarterback, although not great, uh, Tannehill, he's effective enough when you have a, a Derrick Henry. The, the whole horrible part about that is the guy is, is at such a discount because they don't pay running backs. I think he's at, what, 12 or $15 million a year, which which in this NFL is a huge discount. Right. I mean, I'm hoping that the owner is giving him some money in Bitcoin or something like that because whatever, <laughs> whatever you're paying Derrick Henry, man, it's just not enough. This guy, I mean, he's the he's the 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 power back of his generation right now. I mean, you, I mean, it was maybe Eddie George, the bus, but now Derrick Henry is just taking it to a whole nother level. The the guy that has that 
combination of size and speed and skill set and just consistency of not getting hurt. You know, I don't want to jinx the guy, but just consistency of, of, of tapping in week after week. And I think at this point, nobody wants to hit him hard. Like he doesn't even have to take hard hits because nobody's really coming up to try to hit him. Guys don't want to tackle him. And, and he has that potent stiff arm. I mean, you, you can't say enough about enough of good things about him. And they're just a physical football team. So when you have a physical team with a guy like that and a serviceable quarterback who can, who can make plays, I mean, they'll be there at the end. And if you don't want to play grown man football, they're going to rough you up. Well, one last NFL question. Kansas City Chiefs, only seven games in, three and four on the season. Can they turn this thing around? I mean, they're in a division with the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, They're a couple games back of both of those teams, or a game and a half back of uh, the Chargers. Can they turn this thing around? Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to really watch some Chief football because, you know, when they sputtered early, I was I didn't even worry about it. I like how the Chiefs would be there. It's just, you know, one one bad game. It's like, man, Chiefs lost again. Then you looked at the score last, like, man, the Chiefs getting destroyed. <laughs> like, what's going on? And now you expected them to give up 28 points, but you didn't expect that offense to be sitting on zero. So it's like, it's not the surprise that their defense isn't playing well. The surprise is that the offense is not able to cover up for that defense anymore. So, I mean, yeah, what what is going on? That's a good question, and I'm going to have to really start watching those games to to figure out, you know, what's up with Mahomes. I mean, yeah, and you can't – it may not be Mahomes' fault, but he got all of the credit when they were doing good. So, you know what? He gets all the blame that they're doing bad. That's well, what yeah. the quarterback does. So, he's going to take a lot of that blame for that offense not scoring, but hopefully they can, they can get it figured out because it's an exciting team with the same players. But – it's something definitely missing. The mojo is not there right now. Well, let me ask you about your reason for being in Alabama. You are there for the Magic City. Uh, talk a little bit about some swag football, Alabama State versus Alabama A&M. Talk a little bit. For folks who don't know how big this game is, mm-hmm. tell us. Because, I mean, I've, I've never had an opportunity to go to. Oh, man, well, you you missing a treat. You know, I, I grew up on the Bayou Classic growing up in New Orleans. You know, my dad. I worked at the Superdome, so I, mean, I was going to the Bayou Classic since I was eight, nine, ten, and it, it was just my introduction to black college football. Watching you know, legendary Eddie Robinson, and, and you know, you knew Grambling was going to win the football game, but Southern was going to win the halftime show. It was just, it was just, it was just predestined, and, and and I think eight out of ten years it always happened like that. So coming to college as a freshman, you know, I'm talking about man, the Bayou Classic is the best thing ever, and so and the guys from Jackson, oh man, the Soul Bowl is Jackson at Alcorn, but the seniors and upperclassmen, man, once it got the Classic Week, and they'd say, man, it ain't no Classic like the Magic City Classic. And so I'm like, yeah, all right, all right. So when I get to Legion Field, I'm talking about, man, the people out here at tailgate, like they start on Wednesday. It's almost like a big state fair, just neighborhood hangout where everybody comes back. Whether you attended Alabama State or A&M, it doesn't even matter. It's just where the city really owns the Classic. And I think that's what makes the, the Magic City Classic so unique is that the people of Birmingham, they just really own this classic and they love it. They look forward to it all year long. And then the teams are so competitive. You have you know, Alabama State, which is like 90 miles south of Birmingham, and Alabama A&M, which is about 90 miles north. And so, you know, you meet in the middle of the state and, and you just go at it every year. And it's, it's a great classic, man. It's, it's, a, it's a big time for, for everybody and lots of fun. And, and I love coming back here. You get to see all your 
family and friends. It's like a homecoming for both schools at in the same spot. <laughs> well, and what do you what do you guys get for that? 35, 45, 50, 000? How many are you getting? No, no, no. I mean on the on the well, it's, but it may be a little rainy this weekend, kind of cold. That October, that last Saturday of October when the game is held, is always the cutoff where it, it may be 65 and sunny or it may be 30 and rainy, you know what I'm saying? So right. or, or in the middle. So the weather may, may dampen the crowd a little, but man, we can get up to like 60 or 65,000 for this game. I, I would say an average number is 50 just on a, a average year wow. is going to be 50 and it very seldom drops below that. So it, it's by far the biggest black college classic out there. And I've been to the Florida classic. I've been to the, the G-Ho with A&T's homecoming. I've, I've been to the Bayou. I've been to the Soul Bowl with, with Alcorn and Jackson State. But, I mean, hey, it ain't no classic like the Magic City Classic. I'm going to tell you, man. Yeah, that's exciting because there's some exciting games coming up. You guys have a date with Prairie View next week. Now, Prairie View and your former teammate, Bubba McDowell, on that staff with Dooley, they're doing work, and they continue to dominate. I mean, they dominated a really quality Southern team last weekend. What are your thoughts about uh, the Swags Western Division? The Braves, they got by us. You got a chance to see a little bit of Yeah, uh, that's them. a good game. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, hey, Alcorn has been the has been the beast in the East, and they and they dominated the East and just paraded on to the to the SWAC title year after year, and and now they're in the West, and so I mean, it looks like it's going to be the game to decide who's going to represent the West. It's clearly coming between Purview and Alcorn, and, and it's so late in the season that that you won't be able to make it up if you lose that game. I mean, Purview, I mean, they're getting better each week. I mean, they they were able to score points since Dooley has been there. And uh, the problem was the defense. Now the defense is catching up to the offense and just a solid team. You know, Dooley is a is a guy. He's from New Orleans, been knowing him a long time, man. Great coach and, and just finally got his chance to be a head coach. So I'm so glad to see him taking advantage of it. And, and we'd love to see Prairie View and Dooley back in the SWAC championship. But, hey, in, in, in order to be the best, you have to beat the best. And, and as far as all corners concerned, they didn't play in the spring, and they're still the SWAC champ. Like, how can you lose your title <laughs> if you don't go out there and fight in the ring? So, I mean, hey, all corners are going to be a tough one to swallow. That's going to be a great game. I, I would say that'll, you know, we thought the Jackson FAMU game was going to be big, and it was, you know, you know defensive struggle. I wish that game would have came later in the season, though. Yeah, I know. That would have well, been, yeah, yeah they're going to fix it that. It started off early, yeah. Well, I, I think FAMU's not, wasn't playing their best ball at the time. And then, you know, you thought that the Jackson-Alabama A&M game had a lot of hype, and then Jackson rolled through them. But I think this game, the, the Prairie View and the Alcorn game, is going to be huge because the winner of that will more than likely represent the West. And I think the next big game will be the Alcorn and Jackson at the end because, of course, if Alcorn beats Prairie View, then they're in the driver's seat. Even if they lose to Jackson, they can still play again for the SWAC championship game, which yeah. will be like the next week. So it's going to – I mean, it's the end of the SWAC stuff, season yeah. is going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it, man. Well, hey, man, uh, we are going to visit real soon because we hadn't had an opportunity to talk about what else you did over the weekend uh, as it pertains to racing. But we'll, have, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Formula One next time out. So you, you absolutely, get absolutely. And my it's, Houston it's getting top to be five. Crunch, hey, crunch time in Formula One, just like crunch time in the SWAC. So it, it, you either got to step up or you, you're going to get kicked out. So that's where we at, man. This is a great time of year because you got, of course, the World Series with a championship being decided. You know, you got 
the football conferences coming down to those last big games to see who get into championships. So, man, it's, it's a good time. You got to start a basketball season. And so it's just a great time to be a sports fan. How can folks reach you on social media? Hey, yeah, I'm in the same spot, man. I'm at erob50 on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, man, we appreciate you as always. All right, appreciate it. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Want to thank Ed as always, but before I let go... Before I let go, hey, want to thank our guy Butch Alsan. Want to thank Eddie Robinson. Congratulations to him for all the stuff that's going on with him. I uh, want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank our sponsors. Want to also remind you guys, give us a call, 832-941-6614. The Sports Talk with Devin Wade Page and Group on Facebook. Wade's Word Productions. All of those ways to be interactive and be a part of the show. I encourage you to do just that. Astros and Six, if you've not climbed aboard, bandwagon please do so and enjoy some of the good times in houston sports and if you're not in houston hey you can enjoy by proxy okay you can you can get joy from our joy here in the city of houston and and after all who can't root for dusty baker so we'll keep an eye out on that next time out we'll have our d nice our resident dj dj anarchy and a whole lot more including that's next time out but if you don't remember anything else remember these four things number one i don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two i ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye this has been the sports talk with devin wade podcast remember you can follow him on twitter at wade's word thank you for listening